Welcome back to Twice Upon a Time. This week, Roger and I are going to talk about Season 1, Episode 7, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. As always, starting with a synopsis, in Storybrooke, Emma is upset with Graham about his liaisons with Regina and that he lied about it. When he kisses Emma, he has a flash of his real self, eventually leading him to Henry, where he learns he's the huntsman. Emma catches up with him, and they follow a wolf to a tomb in the cemetery where Graham thinks his heart is hidden. In the Enchanted Forest, we learn how Regina hired the animal-loving, human-hating huntsman to kill Snow White. Snow's willingness to sacrifice herself to protect the kingdom, revealed in a letter she writes to Regina, causes the huntsman to let her go. The huntsman tries to trick Regina, but when she discovers that he's given her an animal heart, she takes his, putting him under her control. Back in Storybrooke, Emma and Graham have a confrontation with Regina, where Graham eventually breaks things off with Regina. Emma and Graham share another kiss, fully awakening Graham, just as an enraged Regina crushes his heart. Before we dive in, this episode deals with sexual assault. We're going to talk about it right up front, so if you'd like to skip it, go ahead and skip to 10.05. Okay, so we're going to start with the this triggering conversation about sexual assault in this episode. So Regina controls the heart of the huntsman and also Graham. She still has it. And at one point she says, take him to my bed chamber. This is a sadly recurring theme in this TV show that we'll talk about several times. And it is icky, especially obviously Regina is a terrible human being, but she, she doesn't ever atone for this or mention it at all. What do you, what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on this, Roger? Yeah, this is bad. This, this is one of the ones that there are things that just make you uncomfortable. Like, we talked about even the previous episode, like, the gaslighting was icky from Catherine. This is, like, a whole new level of just bad. And the part that I think that makes it the worst in the Enchanted Force is when she rips out his heart and then basically kisses him and says, you will be my pet. That combination of things is like, no, this is not okay. And not that it would be okay in any scenario, but if you flip this and this had been one of the evil male characters, King George, ripping out the heart of Sleeping Beauty and say, you will be my pet. We'd all be recoiling in disgust and, and fear and like, dude, you that's just, no. So, yeah, this is bad. Like, the unquestionable, you know, sexual assault or just awful. Just awful in every aspect of the, the term. And it's never addressed. It's never, and the other one that we'll talk about later is never addressed as well. It's just kind of one of those things that seems to be forgotten over time, which is like, this is arguably the worst thing that she does. And she does a lot of bad things, but this is up there in that discussion. Yeah. I mean, Regina redeems herself throughout, like her arc is a story of redemption, but it is hard to swallow that she never, like she kills Graham at the end of this episode, in addition to sexually assaulting him repeatedly, presumably. In, and I, I make a distinction of what she does in... The Enchanted Forest is 100% clearly sexual assault. No discussion. No, because it's very clear what she says. You're my pet. I own you. You will do whatever I say. Take him to my bedchamber. I think the discussion shifts a little bit when we move to Storybrooke. In Storybrooke, she is the only person who kind of knows what's going on. He obviously figures out after he's made a wake. I believe he wakes up at the end when he kisses Emma. He's starting to see flashes of the wolf. 
But at the time in which he is actually sleeping with Regina, he doesn't know that his heart is in her possession. He knows that something is wrong, but there's no threat or implied threat. It's more so just he's doing an icky thing that he doesn't necessarily care about. But on some level, he's obviously attracted to her. He just maybe doesn't like her, if that makes sense. And let's be honest, plenty of men have slept with people they don't necessarily care for, but they're like, you know, she's attractive and maybe she'll get better. So that, there's a little bit more nuance. I can't defend the Enchanted Forest at all. I think the thing that I have a really hard time with is that Regina engineered this curse. Like, she designed Graham to be her pet in this world, as well as the last one. And she still has his heart. He has to do whatever she says. Uh, There's some fluffiness around how heart control works. But she literally, while she is holding it, says, you will do whatever I want. And... I suppose we see Graham do things throughout this episode and in, you know, in the Enchanted Forest where he, he doesn't, he doesn't always do what she says. I don't know that we see that in the Enchanted Forest. I guess not in the Enchanted Forest, just in other episodes in Storybook. Yeah, we see in Storybook that he has the ability to defy her in a way that he does in the Enchanted Forest, which is why I don't think in Storybook it's the same. I also think that part of the reasons that Regina wouldn't necessarily give him a command to just do it is I don't think that's her thing. I think she enjoys the manipulation part. The you know We get that kind of uh, cartoon villain look in the early in the um, episode where she looks at the camera, kind of fourth wall breaking almost, because she enjoys the fact that Graham was forced to come to her. Like I think she gets off figuratively and literally on the fact of being able to manipulate and control him, not just speaking into a heart saying, you know, you're going to be my pet lover the way that she does in the Enchanted Forest. Ugh, so gross. It's bad. It's really bad. It, it's it is. Really it's really gross. It's not something that I think the character needed Mm-mm. to establish how evil she is, nor is it something... Like, if someone was going to do this, this should be an unredeemable villain. This is something that you just never forgive. And you say, you're a bad person, you're a terrible person. You know, I'll say this again in a later episode. Yeah, you deserve to die, and I hope you burn in hell this is bad like this is really really bad it also wasn't necessary for the story like she she uh, controlling him is bad like she could have done that without without this she could have just said you're my pet and left it at that and i don't really understand what the writers were trying to accomplish with this situation because because they don't address it like directly ever i said this in a previous episode don't think she was planned on being redeemed Mm. i think she was going to be the villain who's just a villain because some villains don't get a redemption story maybe she starts to come around and maybe she makes a sacrifice at the end that like helps the town and she says you know i don't deserve to be redeemed but at least let me help you i don't think she was supposed to be one of the heroes because something like this david would never do this snow would never do this. like no one with a soul would ever do to this level and this I can excuse why you would need to potentially kill someone there are logical reasons why you go to war you know why when Charming kills the knight to save snow that makes sense like yeah killing is bad but you understand yeah. it you cannot justify to me her need to have a sex pet no. that's just this that's never needed so it's it just makes her look unredeemable yeah um I also like in Storybrooke this isn't the same but they she has a lot of power in this town, especially how she wields it, right? Like, she she wields mayoral power in a way that, as we have discussed, doesn't make any sense. 
And he is an employee of the city, which is also, like, kind of icky and weird. And she's clearly established to, like, don't tell anyone about this. Like, please sneak out my window in the middle of the night. Yeah, my thought process on this was she actually doesn't care if anyone knows because she's in charge and do whatever she chooses. I think making Graham sneak around makes him feel icky and thus she enjoys again the manipulation and even though you feel bad about this i'm going to make you sneak out the window you're still going to do it because i can make like i can manipulate you into doing this and i think that is what is important regina which is bad on itself like that's a different discussion to have but again i would say that's underneath the level of what she does in the enchanted forest which is horrifying really awful yeah it's really awful and this is coming from a person regina is my favorite character and I have a really hard time reconciling this. Yeah, this this is one of the two things that happen in this series that I say we would be better off this never happening. Mm-hmm. This, this this doesn't add a good layer. Again, if this had been a villain who was just an evil villain who never fine. I mean, it wouldn't be good, but it would make more sense why you hate them for life. And then you don't address it. Like this is never something that we come back and she expresses remorse or sadness or even acknowledges that she did it. It's just like he just disappears and we never talk about him. We see him, I think, one more time in a flashback. Yeah. And it's gone. It's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's not good. It's not something that I wish they had done. It, it ruins the episode, in my opinion. Like, this is a bottom five episode for me, not because of the quality of the writing or the quality of the acting. It was just, it became hard, especially later seasons, to look at Regina and not be like, you're awful. And yes, people do change and, and grow and learn from their mistakes, but it's not like they do learn from this mistake. It, in fact, it happens again. And then we even address it then. Like, that's the oh, part. It, it happens more than one time. But, I mean, specifically I where Regina is kind of yes. involved. And they don't even touch on the previous thing. And it's like, you did this. How can... So, it, it just becomes... I just wish I could erase this from Once Upon a Time yeah. and, and never Same. see it again. Same. Okay. Following that discussion, uh, we're going to dive into regular discussion here. What did you think about this episode, Roger? Not my favorite episode. I think it's a good dive, deep dive on the Huntsman. And it's it does call back to a few things. It's a couple things I'll say just about the, hunt, the Huntsman. Fifty Shades of Pushy at the beginning. When he's drunk and in that bar and throwing those darts, Emma tells him to go away and leave me alone like four or five times. He's just like, no. I'm and well. then he kisses his employee in the street. After being told no a decent amount of times and leave me alone and I you're not going to feel what you want with me, he's just going for it that doesn't not not a good um representation of him listening to what she wants at all he, he also just he doesn't look right like something looks very very wrong with him and you don't exactly know what it is and i don't still know what it is but i don't know if it's supposed to portray that he is sick or if he's having a panic attack or is there something related to the curse that's doing this right now but he looks off in a way that we haven't really seen any character look so far what about you? How'd the Huntsman look to you? Yeah, um, the Huntsman also, I, I interpreted it as like he's having a prolonged panic attack. Uh, it could be some sort of curse thing that is never explained and we don't really understand. Um, but I do, I do like this episode in general. I think we get quite a bit more information about Regina and Snow's relationship, which I wasn't expecting to get from an episode that's focused on the Huntsman. Um, so it's kind of, and it's kind of nice to see that 
like, I mean, that is what Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is about, like, the huntsman hunting Snow White. Uh, and we, we get, like, more details about that story and, like, why it happened and what it means. Uh, but it, definitely not a top top ten episode for me. But I, I do like the information that we get out of this episode. Yeah. I think I, it's a good one. There are good things about it. For example, top five pet. That wolf. That wolf is awesome. I don't know if it's a pet. It feels like a pet in the Enchanted Forest. I mean, he whistled and it came. Feels like a pet to me. <laughs> yeah. Definitely feels like a pet. So I'm going to say t- not. It's between two and five, though. It's certainly not Tiny Black Unicorn. Tiny Black Unicorn is the best pet. Not not touching that one. Another thing I really enjoyed, uh, the clothing. Regina's dress is pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. I, I like the dress in the Enchanted Forest. Oh, the the, the red velvet dress? Yeah. yeah. That's stylish. It's really good. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of velvet in general. Yeah. Uh, love... Love most of the dresses that Regina wears, but that one it's very form fitting yeah. and it I yeah, it's it's a good dress. It's a it's a good look. And it's a bit of a departure from her normal like queen attire. Mm-hmm. It was just like, Oh, this is a very nice dress. And then kind of playing off of that, the mayor is wearing her coat like a cape. Yep. Which is quite funny to me. Just a little tidbit that I liked and I, I noticed. So that good thing. Um Huntsman, I like that his memory is starting to come back. Which in a like when David got his memory back, it kind of just made sense to him. The Huntsman's getting like bits and pieces, and so it's both making sense and making him crazier. And now he's determined to find out what happened at all costs to the point that he goes finds Mary Margaret in her classroom, and then she thinks that he'd been talking to Henry, and then doesn't oddly enough notice that he had not talked to Henry and think, huh, that's kind of weird that a grown man just came to me and said all these things maybe i should i don't know alert someone maybe the town's therapist like archie or obviously or the deputy sheriff deputy sheriff (laughs) who you live with would be another one especially since she is aware of their relationship actually it is implied that mary margaret does tell someone because emma goes to look for graham later and she says you know i hear everyone around town (laughs) yeah that's fair okay so that that makes sense she actually is responsible there and i appreciate that also, let's talk about Emma a little bit, especially the wolf. Yeah, I, I'm i not quite sure what to think about the fact that this is the same wolf that Emma saw when she tried to leave the town. And it's true that when the fairy tale characters try to leave town, something happens to them to prevent them from leaving. That's not true of Emma. Emma can leave the town. Most of the time. Most of the time. In this curse, Emma can leave the town. Um, but it's also possible that like part of the engineering of her being the savior of the curse means that she needed to stay. So like something occurred, but there's like this connection with her and Graham and the wolf. And I, it's, I mean, Henry does say when Graham is talking to him that they have a connection because Graham saved his mother. So Emma wouldn't exist if he hadn't done that. But yeah, there's an interesting connection with that wolf there. I tend to think the wolf got involved so that Graham would have to arrest Emma for the crash Mm -hmm. and thus give Graham a chance to find his heart Mm. because without Emma he had no chance of getting back what he needed well that's an interesting thought yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah so the wolf intervened before Emma left because she was going to leave and never come back and then Graham was going to be continuing to be cursed and the wolf is just trying to get Graham back to where he needed so that was my thought on that one I also love when she 
she finds Graham and he's clearly in a state of panic and he's she's like you just went to a 10 year old for <laughs> advice which is a hilarious line uh, a 10 year old who happens to be right oddly yeah, enough yeah, who happens to be right she's clearly thinking like this dude is crazy and she sees the wolf she sees the wolf and the look on her face is just like what like it's almost like a is Henry right? Like, kind of face. Like, he's been following a wolf all day, sure. And then she sees it. It's like the same look that she gave when she was like, let's have Henry, um, let's read to David. And then after nothing happens, you'll realize that we were right all along. And then he wakes up and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Why did that work? Like, it, things are working that shouldn't be working. Why am I seeing this same wolf again? You just went to my 10-year-old son who played therapist pretty well, by the way. Like, he could open up his own practice. He calms uh, Graham down to some degree and explains it to him very clearly. Why Graham goes to a 10-year-old man? That's, that is a new level of desperation that you hit, and maybe that's part of his sickness, panic attack, whatever you want to call it. But Henry does a good job of explaining things in a very clear manner, and Graham seems to be like, yeah, this, this tracks... I love how Henry approaches it like a therapy session. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's like, tell me how, tell me, tell me what, what you're seeing. What's going on? And he instantly is like, oh, you're the huntsman. I wrote down Henry <laughs> therapist. I mean, it's, it's exactly yeah. what I took from that. Let's, let's walk back to Emma real quick. Mary Margaret right now has been really good at throwing some lines. One of the best lines that we hear is talking about, they're talking about relationships and why you don't have one. And then, Mary Margaret without really thinking, well, that's because you're, and then trails off. And Emma's like, what? That's because I'm what? And Mary Margaret does not want to finish that thought. Uh, you want to finish that thought? Yeah, I mean, Emma's walls. She uh, she brings up Emma's walls, which we see repeatedly. Emma's got some walls. And Emma clearly has a crush on Graham, which apparently everyone can see, including Regina. But Emma, it like it hadn't even occurred to her before. I believe it did occur to her when she walked off at the end of the previous episode looking like she wanted to cry. I think, I don't, when you, let me tell you something about walls, Roger. <laughs> when you've got walls and you get upset, you don't know why, because you're not used to processing your emotions. I don't think Emma had any idea. Like, I don't think she's, like, pretending not to have feelings for Graham. I think she literally doesn't know that she has feelings for Graham. Fair enough. Let me tell you something about people who lie. <laughs> when people are lying, they can often convince themselves of their lie, but... They deep down know the lie is a lie and just refuse to acknowledge it. And maybe it's behind the wall. But you don't walk off that emotional because nothing's there. She even says, why do you care what I think? That's not a statement one makes unless you kind of realize, I do have a thought on this. Because if she'd walked into like Whale, you know, like when Whale sleeps with Mary Margaret, it's not like she's bothered by it because she doesn't care about Whale. It doesn't matter to her. And maybe she just detests Regina to that degree, but... That's not what this was. This wasn't pettiness. This was... She was hurt. Yeah. And I do... I mean, on a, on a romantic level, obviously, like, she has feelings for Graham, which we see at the end of the episode when she decides to kiss him. But I... I think, like, she... Graham is her friend. Like, she does not have a lot of friends in this town. And Graham was one of the first people she interacted with. He has been kind to her. He's convinced her to stay. He cares about her son. He goes to her son for advice. <laughs> I, I, I think she, she feels... She feels close to him. Yeah. And she she's with him all the time. They work together. Yeah. She's certainly hurt by the fact that he's sleeping with Regina. And I think she... Like you said, it felt like he was sleeping with the enemy. 
I don't think she believes there's anything wrong with that. She just didn't like it. Yeah. Like, it was more so... You haven't done anything wrong as a consenting adult. It just hurt because I thought you were on my side. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also love... So, I remember reading, like, articles or Reddit threads when this show was on. Like, a lot of people called Emma a Mary Sue because she's good at everything. She has a superpower. She can know some people are lying. You're looking at me like you've never heard that before. Never once have I heard the term Mary Sue used like that. Oh, that's absolutely what Mary Sue means. Anyway, hmm. um, Emma's bad at darts. Emma's really bad at darts. She can't even hit the dartboard. Yeah, Emma is surprisingly bad at darts, which is shocking considering her family tree. Yeah, you'd think you'd think she'd be good at that. Huh? Yeah, maybe that's her curse. Maybe that is. Can we talk real quick about an excellent display of power here? Yeah. Now Graham is in the woods looking for the wolf. And out of nowhere, in very Rumpelstiltskin-like fashion, Mr. Gold appears with what looks like a suit with a butcher's apron over top and a shovel. And galoshes. And galoshes. And they just have a normal conversation. And not once does Graham, the town sheriff, ask, what are you doing out here? He instead asks, did you see a wolf? And then they have a conversation about the wolf. It doesn't even cross his mind to question why is Gold, a man who ha would have no logical reason to be out here, holding a shovel, wearing a butcher's apron with galoshes? Because this man has got real power. He really does. Um, and he, he deliberately is trying to, like, poke holes in the curse here. Like, he's, he's leading Graham down a path. Everything he says is like an... It, like a, it has a second meaning. Yeah, it's a almost like a double entendre. Yeah. I said the previous episode, it doesn't feel like Regina and Gold are working together, and this reinforces that he is poking holes in the curse. He is waking yeah. people up. He's pointing them in the direction that he needs them to go. This is not in service of the Queen. This is absolutely in service of his own agenda. I want to know what his agenda is. I'd like to know what on earth he is doing out there in the woods, uh, besides what, I'm sorry, a spot of gardening, I believe yeah. is his explanation. That's like the most flimsy excuse I've ever seen. But again, Graham's like, sounds good. I mean, he's not in his right state of mind, to be fair. And he's obviously focusing on another thing. But it, the way that he appeared out of nowhere was just kind of funny. And he looked so ridiculous. And he just leaves. And everyone's like, all right, well, back to the normal world. I know what Mr. Gold was doing out there. I don't think... So this is some brilliant foreshadowing from the writers of the show. I don't think that we find out what he's doing out there until season two. Correct. <laughs> Again, what have I said about gold? Yeah. He, he is here and you are 15 steps behind him. He's already plant, literally planting the seeds for what he is trying to do <laughs> down the road because he's starting to see that the pieces are coming together for what he is ultimately trying to get. Let's talk about the woods real quick. Okay. Snow White. I love that this characterization of Snow White isn't the typical damsel in distress. She even fights off the Huntsman, but is smart enough to know she can't win this battle long term. Reasonably speaking, the Huntsman is an expert level tracker who's going to catch her. And she decides instead of wasting a bunch of energy, I'm just going to write a note that says, I'm sorry for what I've done to you. We don't know what she did to Regina still, but we know she did something so bad that she knows that she did something bad. And basically hands it to the Huntsman and accepts her fate because she thinks it's for the better of the kingdom. Similar to the way that Charming was willing to accept his fate for the better of the kingdom. And honestly, I, is that the thing that makes the Huntsman decide? This it is. is. 
And I, I wrote down, I wrote down, Snow is astute in my notes because she, she picks up on, on his, his like deception, like his and Regina's deception, pretty quickly because he doesn't offer her condolences like her father's other guards do, which is like. That is, that is some, like, she was paying attention. She knows Regina's got it in for her. Kind of at the beginning of the episode, when she, like, seeks comfort from Regina, like, you're like, oh, my God, what is going on with Snow? Like, she doesn't have any idea that Regina is, like, the evil queen. And, like, clearly she does. Um, and, yes, it is the letter. So when we first meet the huntsman in the, like, tavern that he's in, he, the the people in the tavern are sort of like getting up in, in, in his face. And he says the reason that he doesn't like people is because they're selfish and self-serving. And this was not Snow's intention. I think she really meant what she wrote in that letter to Regina. Like, I don't think she meant, she actually, she definitely didn't mean for the huntsman to read it. Cause she looks very shocked when he just immediately opens the letter and reads it when she hands it to him. But he, uh, she, she was willing to sacrifice herself for, for the, for the, kingdom and i mean i'm not gonna say she was sacrificing herself for regina but she literally she like very very much means like i hope you find happiness i think she was sacrificing herself with the hope that if this brings you the peace that you've been looking exactly. for and you will rule the kingdom with a fair hand then i'm willing to take yeah. that plunge do you think that part of it was a gambit though no i don't think you don't think that she had any inkling that the, the huntsman maybe like, isn't a bad person no if you look at his face or at her face when she hands him that letter she is genuinely shocked that he opens it like okay. she really didn't mean for him to do that because she is very good at perceiving she, how she's people very are good. um but i i think well and i think she also knows how scary regina is like she wouldn't assume that this man would be willing to stand up to regina but i mean he cries when he reads that letter like he is genuinely touched by what she wrote and her willingness to sacrifice herself. I will say that the Huntsman is not a weak man. No. He, he's a very strong moral, you know, uh, trust his convictions. And even when the threat of the evil queen is facing him, he goes, no, I'm not killing her. And decides, and it costs him dearly, like very dearly. But again, and he's not, you know, I wouldn't call him some, like, he's a good fighter, but he's not, like, the ultimate badass. You know, but he just, he loves human, he loves people, or loves animals, not humans. And he's compassionate, he cries over his kills. He will kill an animal, but it's because he needs to feed his wolf and himself. And yet, gosh, you just feel bad for him at the end of this. Like, oh, yeah. You you feel so bad for, let's, let, let, before we even get into him, let's talk about the fight back in Storybrooke. This was not a cat fight. This wasn't hair pulling. We're not screaming. Regina, I think, kind of loses her mind. Oh, yeah. That was a full punch with a wind-up. Yep. <laughs> but Regina is normally smart enough to put herself in situations where she has the high ground, to use the Star Wars quote. She doesn't have the high ground here. She's not going to win a hand-to-hand -hand combat fight against Emma, who we've already seen who's buff. And way stronger than, like, Regina may have trained with a sword once upon a time and has magic, but none of these things are present now. And she clocks Emma and then probably <laughs> regrets it about five seconds later when Amber clocks her back. And I think Emma draws blood, like, real blood. Yeah. She, and I can't remember who, I think Emma then grabs Regina and drives her into the wall of the crypt. Like, yep. had the Huntsman slash Graham not stepped in, Regina was probably about to get her ass beat, like Mr. Gold beats people with a cane. Yeah. I think Regina is desperate and also like a little delusional. Like 
after Graham stands up to her in like a big moment, like very reminiscent of Archie standing up to her, like it was really great. Emma walks away and then Regina like tries to approach him again. <laughs> like she's like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Can we also talk about the conversation where every single time Emma tried to remove herself from the conversation, like this isn't about me. This is between you two. She would like listen to what Graham said and then be like, how could you have done this to me, Emma? Well, no, it's not about Emma. I don't feel anything with you. Well, everything was fine until she got here. No, it really wasn't. Of course, because now it's different that you're here. Will you listen to what I'm saying? Damn this blonde. It, it, it's the typical Regina not willing to blame herself and blaming anyone else she can for her own mistakes, which is what we will find out ultimately caused all this in the first place. I recently learned about high conflict people and how they blame everyone else for the things that have happened to them. And let me tell you, Regina is a high conflict person. Uh, and she has decided in her life that Snow is responsible for what happened to her in her early life. And Emma is responsible for everything that happens to her moving forward. Yeah, and she's not even willing when confronted with direct evidence from the person who is telling you this. This has nothing to do with her. I don't feel anything with you. That's only because she's here. No, I don't know. I mean, look, you can delude yourself into believing what you want, but she has to know deep down that she's been manipulating him the whole time. I yeah. think that's her thing. So I'm a bit shocked on that. We do also see for the first time one of the biggest things that we will see in Once Upon a Time a lot, which is the glowing heart. Yeah, um, that was very exciting. I mentioned that in an earlier episode. We saw a heart that was not glowing and... I, it also was not a human heart, so I guess <laughs> I guess there's that, uh, the heart of the stag. That's right. Um, but, yeah, it would, she reached right in his chest and pulled out his heart, which, yeah, that's a thing that you just accept. It occurs. You can do it. You can also put them back. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't die instantly. So that's the thing that was shocking to me is that when she grabs her father's heart, she doesn't crush it immediately, but he just falls down and dies. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think that may have been writing inconsistency. Writing inconsistency, um, because as we learn here, you can, you can, people can survive without their heart in their chest, um, and you can command them to do things or speak. You can you can literally speak into it and make them speak what you are saying. Yeah, it's a form of like mind control. Essentially. Yeah. it's heart control. Heart control. Heart control. <laughs> what I don't understand is that why she couldn't have like, shouldn't have Henry Senior have stayed alive at least until she crushed it. And put the the things, the ashes of the heart, into the the cursed cauldron where it needed to be. Yeah, that's when yeah. Henry should have collapsed. Instead, he just dropped dead the moment she ripped it out. Which makes more sense, don't get me wrong, but that's not how we see going that's true. forward. I want to talk a little bit about Regina and Snow before we touch on the end of this episode. Okay. Um, so we learn in this episode that Regina killed the king, which is not at all surprising. Yeah. Um... We, for some reason, Regina is still the queen, even though the king is dead. Snow should be the queen. I don't understand. I don't understand how the uh, the royal lineage works in, in this family. I don't know that you're wrong, but again, there's a difference between, like, you can say there's a piece of paper that says I'm the queen or the king, but who controls the military and who controls the actual workings of things is the one in charge. And if she says she's the queen and the military all backs her and she's got magic, guess she's the queen. I understand that. But this is like, like the king has just died. Yeah. 
And Snow is still at the castle, so she, like, clearly doesn't think that Regina's just going to, like, bump her off immediately. I mean, well, she does when she's in the woods with the huntsman. And it seems, based on what she says about, like, my father's guards, like, the guards are still, like, somewhat loyal. Like, I don't think Regina's had enough time to amass, like, a military and guards that support her. She is really scary, and she has magic, and Snow doesn't. So, like, I, I see how that would happen, like, pretty quickly, but I just... I think that's weird. And that's actually also true in the film and the grim story, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Like, why is the queen, like, she was married to the king. Like, I'm not defending, I'm not not defending this, like, royal situation we have here, but that's just not how it works. I mean, like, if this were Princess Ava, it makes sense because they were king and queen together and then the king dies. Okay, well, the queen would be in charge until the heir was old enough to take over. Queen regent, yep. Queen regent, sure. Regina obviously is not the mother of Snow. Like it's it's purely a just like a stepmother situation. So her being in charge is a bit silly, other than just ruling via fear. Which, as we know, Regina is really good at making people afraid of her. Couple other things we learn. Regina says to Snow, or sorry, Snow says in her letter to Regina, "I understand that you'll never have love in your life because of me." So we learn a little bit more about what may have happened there. And she tells the huntsman, I shared a secret, or no, Regina tells the huntsman, I shared a secret with her and she couldn't keep it. And that betrayal cost me dearly. She shared a secret with a little girl and blamed the little girl for not keeping it. Do you know what would have been easier than expecting a 10 year old to keep a secret? Not sharing a secret with a little girl. It's true. High conflict people. <laughs> I tell ya. It is a better conflict than mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all. Yes. But it still makes her seem very irrational. And also, it's not like Snow we know is the one who probably killed her whatever. Shouldn't she be mad at whoever actually enacted that? She's a hole in her heart, Roger. She's a hole. She lost something that was very dear to Does her. Does she also have a hole in her brain? Which is interesting because, like, Regina is not an irrational person in general. She's an emotional person, though. Yeah. And she's short-sighted. That's it's what I would say about It's not hard her. to convince her of something that's logical, usually, though. In the future. <laughs> Eventually, yes. The problem is when her emotions are flaring, she usually will take her action first. Then it's wrong. Then she'll be like, okay, let's try it this way. Like, yeah, that's Filet true. the bitch was not the most <laughs> rational decision, but it was. this is the quickest path to resolution to that's get true. what I need. So she is consistent in that regard. Any other points you want to touch on? No. What was your favorite moment in this episode? I don't have a lot of favorite moments in the episode, but I will say my favorite moment is the Mary Margaret line to Emma. Hmm. That's because your trail off felt the most like a mother-daughter interaction that I've seen them have. And it was very much to the viewer, not only do we know Emma has walls, everyone knows Emma has walls. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was a good, I thought it was a good moment and it's kind of showing that they're really building that bond that Mary Margaret for a moment felt comfortable enough to say that. Yeah. And I, I, that is not my favorite moment, but I agree that is a good, that's a good moment. And I'm usually very touched by their conversations um, and also just even like removing the curse, like neither of them have friends really. 
I mean, Mary Margaret is friendly with people in the town, but she doesn't have, like, a, cl- a close friend. I guess Ruby a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I think she has close friends. I just think they're all dealing with their own yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. My favorite moment, uh, Graham standing up to Regina. That was a big moment. Uh, it doesn't end well for Graham, but um, he... He really put himself first. He was very clear about why he was doing it, and Regina still didn't listen to what he was saying. <laughs> because of Emma. Because of Emma. Um, but he was very clear. And I think I think it was a big, I mean, similar to Archie's in, in episode five, like, he just really, like, Regina is scary, <laughs> and there's really bad consequences when you stand up to Regina. But I think that was a big moment. I think he, I think he, oh, and he, he wakes up. That's also very cool. That was my runner-up. The first person to actually wake up yeah. was a kind of a big deal because you're like, oh, oh, there, like you now see it. And I don't know that Emma knows this at this point because you said you can feel the pulse. It wasn't true love's kiss. I know, but it had the same effect visually that we saw where like there's like a little like rainbow that pops out. I did I feel not like. notice that. Yeah, like something happens that where he like wakes up. Maybe it's in his brain. Like that mm-hmm. could have been that. But you see, you know, some sort of an awakening. Yeah, him waking up was a really big deal. Well, and it, it also, because like right now we like have no idea. Like Henry thinks that Emma's going to break this curse and so does Rumpelstiltskin in the Enchanted Forest, but we have no idea how that's going to happen. And now I have all these questions like, is she going to wake other people up? Like, how is this going to happen? Does he, doesn't he wake up after he kisses her though? Yeah. Huh. So it's not true love's kiss. No, it's definitely not true love's kiss. I think, I think it's, I mean, they have a connection. Yeah. As, as, has, as has been described. And I think he's open. He's feeling nothing and he's open to a solution and he sees it. I yeah. think, I mean, she's a very powerful, she's the savior. Yeah. He feels something now yeah. for the first time yeah. in forever. What about your most ridiculous moment? Mr. Gold appeared out of the forest with a shovel a butcher's apron and galoshes and no one questioned it i understand this man has a lot of power but come on that (laughs) didn't think to ask even like gardening even if you don't want to reveal it because he's a very powerful man like huh i wouldn't have taken you for much of a gardener (laughs) nah just in the woods nowhere (laughs) near where you live or work nope (laughs) and just I love that he appeared, not in a magical way, but similar to the way Rumple, which kind of appeared out of nowhere. He just appears and no one questions. Like that, by far the most ridiculous moment to me. Uh, mine is Graham going to talk to a 10-year-old to get <laughs> about his situation. Yeah. He, he goes to talk to Mary Margaret and she like casually drops this like, oh, you've been talking to Henry. And he's like, I gotta go talk to Henry. I gotta, I gotta go talk to that This kid. is the answer to all my problems. Let me talk to the 10-year-old. It actually is the answer to all of his problems, but and he just, like, very calmly, like, Henry starts his, like, therapy session. He's like, this is what I saw. And Henry's like, okay, this is you. And he's like, great, that sounds good. That's right. So that actually brings up a good point. He mentions that the evil queen has your heart. He says that to Graham. Yeah. So when he decides to stand up to Regina... He, at some point, should have realized that if Henry was right, you risk Regina turning your heart into Fifty Shades of Dust. That's true. That's true. unfortunately, that is his ultimate fate, is that he just, she crushes his heart in a very, very cold-blooded manner. Speaking of that, who's your loser of this episode? Graham. Yeah, same. Um, Although, interestingly, Graham is also my winner of this episode. Hmm. I, I think him standing up to Regina and 
waking up is such a big deal. Uh, and he was willing to believe. Like, he's the first person that was willing to believe. I think that's a big deal. But also, he's a loser because he dies at the end. It's interesting to have the same winner and loser. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. I just have one person who I actually think won, and I think that's Emma. Yeah. I think Emma wins because she's the first person. She's She wakes someone up. Even if she doesn't know it, she is the catalyst to waking up. She gets into a badass fight with Regina. And honestly, the best part of that fight isn't that she just clearly physically dominates her. It's that she just looks at her and goes, you're not worth it, and walks away. It's true. The, much like Gold does to her in season two, he just turns his back and walks away, and you can't do anything about it. And that's that's my winner on this one, just because, you know, she's becoming the savior. She's becoming what she was destined to be. She also lets down a wall. Like, she kisses Graham at the end of the episode. She does, but I don't know that that's a winning moment, considering he literally dies. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a winning moment, but yeah. I think it's a big deal for yeah. for Emma to lower a wall, and she did that here. But that's the only reason I would say that might be a problem, because, you know, she lowered a wall, and it killed him. What are you looking forward to? What's our next episode? Our next episode is episode 1.8, Desperate Souls. It's a Rumpelstiltskin-focused episode. That. <laughs> a, I would like to know what Mr. Gold was doing Same, in the I, woods. What the fuck was Mr. Gold doing in the woods with a shovel? I, I need answers. Like, if I could, uh, that's number one answer. Any Rumpelstiltskin episode that I can see, I'm all in. Is this the episode that I thought episode four was? I think so, yes. The episode where we see why Rumple becomes the Dark One and the backstory. Yes. Where we meet Rumple's wife. No wife. No wife? No wife. That's a different episode. Okay. Well, this is still going to be a great Rumple episode, so I'm all about Rumple backstory. Because he's one of the main, I think maybe he's the only main character we don't have a backstory for yet. Yep, that's true. So give me more Rumple. I'm really looking forward to that. And I really want to know, like, is Emma going to wake anyone else up in the next episode? Like, are people, is she going to learn more? Are people going to realize who they are? Uh, and just for the count, I did cry when Graham died. Did you? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I, yeah, we're going to talk about this more at the end of the season for sure. But Graham waking up was something that I thought was fantastic and I expected more of. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the end of the season, and I'm like, nope, that in fact did not play out the way I thought it would. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. We look forward to talking to you next week about episode eight Desperate Souls. See you next week. <laughs>